Hey, what's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. Couple quick announcements. If you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out, November 8th, it is election day. Make sure you go out and vote if you have not already. There's no shame in posting and telling your friends you voted. Peer pressure does work. So make sure you go out and vote if you're eligible in America. Um, big, big midterm elections. If you need some resources, um, there are some great progressive voter guides at the Knock. if you live in LA. Um, but uh, without getting too political, you know, check out do your own research. Cause.org, APIAvote.org if you're an API voter. And um, definitely just check out as much as you can. Get all that info. Um, I will say vote yes on Prop 1 if you are in California. Um, I don't think that's political. Say we want to keep our rights as women. Okay. Basically, if you listen to this podcast, I doubt you will disagree with me. But, I mean, it's an open forum and I'm using my voice. Okay. Real quick update on our Instagram. We have changed our handle. It is at RealFatherLongLegs. So the old Instagram handle at TellMeAnythingPod will no longer work. But you can um, probably, you'll still you're, if you followed it before, you're still following it. But just make sure you search that when you're searching that. If you're a new follower, check it out at RealFatherLongLegs. Um, this Christmas Eve, I will be performing three nights opening for Greg Proops at San Francisco Punchline Theater in Yep, San Francisco. So if you live up there in the Bay Area, if you want to come out and hang, I am opening for him the 29th, 30th, and 31st. It's going to be fun along with Joyelle Johnson. Um, It's going to be a great time. So get out there. And as always, you can see my updated shows at TeresaLeeComedy.com slash shows. I will be hosting a new sketch cram show at the UCB Franklin Theater on December 10th at 1130 p.m. It's going to be super fun. I'm going to send out the details soon but mark your calendars um it basically we're writing producing and rehearsing and performing an entire sketch show all within 24 hours to a theme if you ever saw the old sketch cram or movie cram shows at ucb in new york that is basically a spinoff of this except we're doing genres so you know cw drama you know teen dark teen drama hbo euphoria game of thrones rom-com sci-fi you name it. We're going to have fun. All right, here's the episode. You can tell her, you can tell her anything. She's a real good listener. You can tell her anything. Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You know me, Daddy T. This is You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where I have comedians, artists, filmmakers, funny people uh, confess something they want to get off their chest i'm very excited to have my guest here today he founded his own production studio during the pandemic very talented filmmaker improviser comedian writer drew spears what's up hey thanks for having me um that 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 really felt good to hear all that like together in a nice concise way it's like what have i been up to it's like oh that's that feels good um because like working like in production and like with like kind of like uh for lack of a better word below the line stuff Mm. it does sometimes feel like a like a hermit like i've just been like working we're we're like remodeling our studio and it's just like oh like scraping paint off the floor and like it's all good work but it's also just like you know i I, if there's no one to talk to in a day i just feel like i'm I'm going batty and so it's just like oh no that that is what cumulatively this all adds up to which is nice to hear that summarized by someone other than just like me i love that and i will say i definitely 
relate to that because I mean because you know you were like on stage all, you were on Harold Night and Mott I don't know all the teams uh, you yeah, were on but did, you, you did everything I, I, I did uh, and still do improv and like s- some sketch stuff I, I definitely have you know as I've been doing more production side stuff I've been giving myself uh, you know a little bit of grace to be like well you don't have to be like fucking yeah. performing too and it's also like oh like uh, this we been- intentionally perform because when yes. you're starting out, it is so fun, but it's like summer camp, and mm-hmm. so it's like oh yeah. yeah, there is this thing where like especially like if you're doing like improv or stand up or something like that, where like you can kind of, and I don't think this is a bad thing. I think anyone can do anything <laughs> that they want, but you can kind of bullshit yourself into thinking yeah. that you're doing something other than like doing shows for other improvisers or comedians, mm. and then just having like kind of a social club. Um, which is fine. I like. I desperately needed that when I moved yeah. to LA. It's like the most. Exce- I mean, like you meet people who like become your best friends, who become yeah. like you know, or, you know. I met my wife through uh, comedy and stuff like that. So it's like it's like, and people want that to be their grind, but it's also like, I've had a busy year, like mm-hmm. doing the studio, and uh, I got married, and my wife and I are in the process of moving. Thank you. And it's just like, oh, yeah, like, haven't been, like, cause I, I don't want to half-ass it, I guess. Yeah, you're in, more, in, like, you focus on the stuff you do. Well, I was going to say, because, like, I, that last, you helped with my short film, Get Loved, and um, me, that was, like, for me also, the first time I was, like, I'm going to take a step back from, like, necessarily being on stage every day and still doing stuff, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's, like, you're in the edit or you're literally just, like, waiting for, you know, uh, the sound mix to come back and mm-hmm. you're like looking up music, but nobody sees that. So I relate yeah, to that it's, feeling. It's a, like, I think like, especially with artists and I, I complain to my wife about this is like, I feel like people are so like when they're being interviewed or talking about the art, the mm-hmm. creation of art, like everyone I feel like kind of wants to either like give off the impression that they just have like a spigot in their head <laughs> and just like brilliance shoots out of it or they just want to like kind of like be like it's tough it's tough it's not for everyone it's hard and like <laughs> i think either side of that pendulum is just like kind of insincere like yeah. it's just like yeah there's days where editing is like a very like humbling craft for that where it's just like yeah you it's some it's it's incredibly important it, I was gonna say it's the most important and I think that's probably true part of like production and it's just like yeah it's mm. you you get to sit at a computer all day and like look at like the smallest aspects of things and it, it really makes yeah. you uh appreciate people who have the patience to do that and also like I came from a film background in film school but I was definitely like oh I want to be a writer oh I want to be a director mm-hmm. and like this is gonna sound very like kids these days but like (laughs) I I do rent a lot of like equipment to like film students and stuff like that and the amount of people who like are like quote-unquote above the line whether it's directing actors uh you know writers Uh who have like very little um curiosity about Mm. the more technical aspects and I I consider this uh me until you know a couple of years ago where it's like yeah I should probably understand like the fundamentals of how like light works yeah. or like you know sound, sound like all the sketch like groups with like oh I'll do boom we rotate and you're like and you're like oh, oh yeah that's why this it's sounds like, why sucks. not yeah why not just hold your like <laughs> phone up yeah. um and it is just uh-huh. like but it's it's rewarding to kind of do that um it's, it's funny kind of taking a break from like on stage performance and like, you know, really pushing my own creative endeavors to kind of be in this like service position. 
um, I don't know when you started doing stand-up or comedy. I, I started it when I was, like, 18 in college oh, nice. and, like, became, like, you know, someone who, for better or worse, like, I, I did stand-up, like, four or five nights a week in college. Yeah, wow. Like, maybe not, like, the most good thing for my development as, like, a person. <laughs> like, I probably should have been spending time with, like, kids my age making friends. No, and but not I being think that's like a good, the, you're the immediately 20, exposed to the world. Yeah, and I just remember very distinctly, like, doing a gig like the day after Christmas it was like an hour outside of my parents place in South Florida so it was like probably something like uh, Boca Raton or something like that uh-huh. and like like I had pissed off my parents because like I had booked this date like and it was just, by, by booking I mean I was like I was on the lineup of the day after Christmas at a bar show, right. which is like, but, you're yeah. d- choosing to do that show is more of a favor than getting to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, I think I went up like a quarter after midnight and like, I, I may not have been 21 yet. And I, I did a set and it was like, you know, I, I got laughs and stuff like this. And this old craggy drunk, like came up to me and was like, you're funny. You'll be funnier when you have something to say and talk about, which is just like at that age, you're just like, fuck you. Uh, but also like, he's right. But fuck you he's because right. like, duh, like obviously in your journey, if you keep going that you're going to, you're, that's what you'll learn. It's just like a weird when people have to come up and say that it's like guys used to say things like, uh, um, after shows like, Oh, keep going to me. <laughs> and it's like, I've been going. Yeah, it's just like, okay, thanks for this advice that clearly you yeah. already do know. But, but I'm, I mean, and this does really seem like, get off my damn lawn, but it is just like, I would tell anyone who's like, even though like I did the exact same thing, I chose yeah. to like do comedy and gun at comedy when I was super young and like got kind of burnt out in my mid to late 20s. Like, I would tell people to like, maybe don't do that in their early <laughs> 20s like maybe maybe get some more life experiences sometimes we dote on younger people hmm. for when they're remarkable but it's also like you realize when you get at a certain age it's like oh why do young people get a lot of jobs it's because you can pay them like shit yes that's the other you thing can burn it, them the fuck out it comes out of bitterness sometimes because i you know there's like a sweet spot when you're experience enough for a young person and you're like kind of like oh the world's my oyster i'm gonna get all these jobs and then you start getting bitter when it's like oh there's only so many like promotions or showrunner jobs and to get those you do have to just kind of leave and put your like nobody will promote you to the number one because that's you have to fight for number one and but people might put you in the race you know like oh like yeah here's a you know marathon number i don't know what this metaphor is but, um, but no, it is that <laughs> sort of thing where it's like, yeah. like I feel like younger people get kind of sold a bill of goods that like there's something uniquely remarkable about being young, and it's just like, well, check I think, out. I that do you're think the potential does add something. There is yeah. something about like, like you said, you could you could have kept doing stand-up, but this, but it's like the choice is yours where you go. And I think older people who feel like they lost their choice, which is a fallacy, because at any point, like you could start at yeah. a production studio, you know, like. At any point, you can choose a new path, but old people will look at young people like, choose the one I want, you know, because they yes. almost want to just project. Well, and when, like, I'm talking about all this, and, like, let's be clear, I'm 33, like, which is just, like, Same. I'm, pri- like, we're in the prime of our lives, yeah. like, but it is just, like, it is such a wild thing. It's just, like, I spent so m- like, around, like, the years before I turned 30, I was just, like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to be a remarkable 20-something. <laughs> I'm not going to, like be a 30 under 30 and it's like no one fucking cares yeah those are like yeah it's just like it's like sometimes you see them on the way down it is all just sort of i kind of i that's why i like the idea of like um 
thinking of life more like an orbit, like how planets orbit. Because it does mm -hmm. go. It's not like yeah. it's still, but it's not like a necessarily a straight line. Mm -hmm. So you might find like when <laughs> planets go retrograde, this is such an L.A. metaphor. But, you know, you might have someone who's like shining, like you said, like when they're 25, they're like on the weekend teams at UCB and mm -hmm. they're like all the teachers. And then years later, they're like ask they're doing the same thing but you've yeah. now you know made a movie or whatever and then they're like asking for advice they're not worse off it's just you start to realize like oh that was a very comfortable place and they didn't get out of it there's also and like like i said i i got all my friends and my wife from like comedy theaters and stuff mm -hmm. like that so I, I really don't like to shit talk you know they like everywhere has a lot of room for growth but yeah i do think like People have a I little bit of. You didn't say the name. You just said comedy theater. Yeah, com so the, at comedy, com at the comedy at the comedy theater. Not even we just all, UCB. It's <laughs> like it's like all like just like any sort of like thing like that. But I do think it kind of unintentionally instills uh, kind of a learned helplessness in uh -huh. performers, in creatives, in producers, where it's just like, oh, I'll just kind of like allow the flow of how this organization works to kind of carry me. It's a little culty. But, well, I know too. I, I don't even think it's like, I mean, I You wait back. for someone to, um, to the gate, there's like the seniority of it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's like contest, contests, showcases. So if you're not chosen as the popular boy or the golden child, you feel like you have to wait till you are versus yeah. just doing the thing and yes. making it. I, yeah, I, I push back on the culty thing because I think that cults have like, <laughs> it's like if you true, chose it's not to, negative. No, yeah, it's true yeah, if, yeah. You if you walk away to, uh, from it, no one's gonna like chase you down and drag you back in, and yeah. like I think like that is like the big thing. But it, I I'll do be think, facetious. Yes, I do think <laughs> it's. I do think it's just like oh, like yeah, it kind of gets people into a placated like, well, I'll do what like the theater or the school or like it could be anything, your job, mm -hmm. and like then you find yourself like kind of like oh, I don't like the way that this flow's going. And then you get mad at the flow. Right. You know, it's like, well, you're, you're the one who can it, swim. It. Yeah. Yes, you, you can, you're I the one that's that. swimming. You're not going to change the flow of something by yourself. You can like, I don't know. This is all yeah. like an abstract way of saying is like, I like working for myself and I like doing like this, like kind, sometimes, some days it's manual labor. Yeah. Like some days it's like, you know, having to like fucking like get all the dust off my mm -hmm. shit because there's like drywall everywhere. Some days it's editing. Some days it's like learning about lighting and it's, it's, it's incredibly edifying. And I mean, it, it's made easier that like I get to work with one of my best friends. Um, well, I think it's interesting cause there's two things I thought of when you're saying, um, like first about how everyone's kind of like above the line, but not really learning technical. Like I thought of like craft. I think that we used to call it craft, but I know nobody mm. cares that much about craft anymore, but it is the idea of like studying the craft of the thing you're doing. But I don't think everyone has a start there, right? Like some people start with interest, like from the streets dance, you know, mm -hmm. like I think of that, like what is a step up? You know, yeah. it's like, that was the old school mentality. You have to have craft to even be considered, but really you could start from interest or craft. And if you start from interest, you eventually should get to craft. If you start from craft, you should eventually, you know, or whatever, maybe not interest, but you should eventually get into the part where you're um, inspired by others, I guess, you know, because there's yeah. some people who know all the details, but then they're just like insufferable and nobody wants to work with them because they don't actually care about appreciating fellow artists. So I do think both matters, which UCB, I also don't like I, as much as I talk about it, it is where I started at before stand up and most of my, a lot of my like friends through the industry that aren't stand-up people are like through mm -hmm. UCBs, even though I have not 
improvised on a stage <laughs> in years. But, You're missing um, out. You're missing yeah, out. Yeah, I improvise every enough in life, uh, <laughs> you know. But I do, yeah, so I do really think there's a lot of value to that. But it's more like knowing what you want out of it. I also think, like, any sort of creative endeavor that forces you to, like, work with strangers or people that you have to work with is, like, a microcosm of, like, other work scenarios, other creative scenarios, other life scenarios, where it's, like, yeah, it'll, like, be a good process and humbling to be, like, to support someone else's idea versus, like, plugging your own idea through something. Now, like, long-term, you may find, you know, you don't want to necessarily just work on things that are, like, you know, you and 10 other people, you know? It's yeah. Like, it's like, I don't think art by committee is always <laughs> the best way, but, like, I do think it's, like, yeah, it's, it is interesting. It's, like, it's like I, I, I admire people with a real, like, clarity of vision, but also... Like, yeah, don't be a dick about it. Like, it appreciate that, like, like, you should be in service of mm -hmm. other people, of their role. Like, it's like, I, like, you know, there's plenty of things that, like, I just have to, like, throw my hands up and trust, like, my buddy Chad on because he's smarter and has been, like, on sets longer and, like, has, like, a clearer vision for a lot of things. And... But also, it's like, I don't know, you can learn anything right now. Yeah. Like, it's like, you want to learn about lighting? Go watch YouTube. Go, want to learn about editing? It's like, it's on, you. all this shit's on YouTube. Anyone can do it. It is, pardon, it's never been more democratized. Yeah. And, like, so it's just like, yeah, you can find the craft, and then you can do things until you like it, or you find, like, these inspiration points. We have better tools now. Like, there's no reason yeah. anything... Think should look good, bad. Think how good yeah. like kids now are going to be as editors. Yeah. Like TikTok is nothing but an editing device. And yeah, just and they like, think like that too visually. Like I feel like in the world when you know how to, like improv helped me understand communication too because when you start to listen actively yeah. and try to yes and or whatever, you start to realize like it helps you interact with people. And I think I'm not saying like TikTok doesn't have its toxic things, but generally speaking, like with ki when kids are learning how to play off of what other people have made, mm -hmm. how to add their own information. I think it makes them better communicators. Yeah, I mean, content aside, you know, a lot of it can be, you know, mortifying. <laughs> I think the... the but that like, changes with age, right? The yeah. skills stay, though. Yeah, absolutely. And But, like, the yeah, the fundamentals of, like, that app, I think, are teaching people, like, yeah, a craft that used to be, like, something that you had to, like, learn through, like, going to school, yeah. learning, learning the trade. And now we're going to have, like children who just like kind of have it in their bones and mm -hmm. like that's going to be fascinating yeah i love that um okay i do have a, i ask every guest this question because i started this podcast because um i started going to therapy late in life and it really for me was like whoa and open a new world to be able to just talk freely and mm -hmm. like about things i didn't know like it's silly now because many years into it, i'm like of course being seen and heard makes you feel good but you know when i was in my 20s i was like Oh, nobody cares what I think. So I do like to ask my guests, like, do you go to therapy or what's your experience with yeah, it? Yeah, I go to therapy. Uh, I uh, have been going to therapy pretty regularly for the last six years and then periodically before that. Um, you know, uh, I think therapy is great. I'm at like a really, I think I'm at a really nice place with mm -hmm. m myself and my therapist um, where like I think I, I'm also, I love therapy. <laughs> and also like I have some reservation it's it's uh -huh. interesting because my wife works a lot in like kind of um kind of therapeutic studies and stuff like that okay. and 
it's I think that like if you haven't had therapy, it's a great tool. But I also think that my culture is moving to this point of like mm. just like being like, well, my therapist says something. What's like your therapist's job is to validate what yeah, you're feeling. It's it, not to like it's not they're not a arbitrate. knowing god. And yes. I I also think like like fundamentally the most like strongest things for like someone's development and like changing like attitudes and habits and moods uh-huh. is cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. like worksheets like actually challenging it's like i think people can be in therapy long enough where they just kind of like it's a comfortable relationship mm. and i think it's good for you know if you aren't used to naming your feelings or exploring what they are and things like that off the bat but i think people can get stuck at that and then like i've definitely been this where it's like oh i'm just kind of telling this guy what my <laughs> week's been like and that's it's almost not like wrong. improv 101 yeah. it's like you can like it's good to you have to start there mm-hmm. but some people do that and they're like i know improv like i agree with you because i actually i'm glad you said that because i've been having that feeling and I'm, I'm sure people have noticed it too and i talk very openly on this pod about there being so i to me obviously it's like get help when you can and want mm-hmm. but there's no one right way uh, but really we've reached this weird pinnacle where like social media is like pushing like almost enough because it's profitable for pharmaceuticals whatever yes. like ADHD meds therapy all this and I uh, it's weird because it's got it's gone to a point of like if you do this you'll be good but it's like actually maybe fixing the problem in the root of the problem in addition to like finding new ways to address the mm-hmm. issue is better than just going we found that we found the cure or just, just like like <laughs> learning about like way more heady like therapeutic mm-hmm. processes through like Instagram or TikTok reels and stuff yeah. like that and it's just like I think for certain people like it just kind of teaches you how to be a better manipulator like I don't want to be like I think those people should still be in therapy and stuff but it's just like oh yeah okay good you know the language of you know therapy Uh, and stuff like that and like you know or just like people who are just like well my therapist say I don't need to be around toxic people (laughs) ergo you're a toxic person ergo like you're bad and it's just like that's the weaponized sort of self-care where yeah people are like yeah, I'm setting boundaries, or I don't tolerate this. But you're like, you are actually being a narcissist or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's just like this is your kind of new religion. This is your uh-huh. thing that you're gonna put things something through, and that's gonna. And it's not just therapy. Everyone does this with everything, you know. Where it's just like you, you find the frame of your life that you can mm. kind of justify behaviors and justify like your point of view, and then. But it is just particularly, I think noxious with uh therapeutic language because it's such a like a um have you it's it's misplay well it's interesting because you're talking about like relating it back to starting your own company it's like we're all kind of looking to be a god of something right like uh, control some era and like therapy is supposed to give you the power to be in control of your mind and mm-hmm. thoughts, but you can it can backfire when you're like I'm in control of your thoughts versus yeah. like you know, I think there, that's why finding something that you care about to do in your life outside of just therapy, like, oh, you're doing your production studio and that's giving you purpose. I think therapy is a side thing to, like, help yeah. maintain, but it's not like, this is my life, yeah. you know? And also just, like, finding avenues where, like, you're putting yourself in positions where you need to help other people or yeah. be of service or, like... Yeah, just putting yourself in situations where you are not God. Yes, and where you learn like from others. Humbling yeah. yourself. And it's, or just like, you know, um, you know, 
I, I've been sober for like nearly four years and I, I've done stuff around that. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, you know, allows you to like kind of take inventory of your life mm -hmm. and stuff like that and like be like, okay, like how am I, you know, how am I fucking up? And also like, how can I cease to fuck up? You know, as opposed to just being like, how can I narrativize fucking up and being like, this is the story of my life. And it's like, it's like, mm. so I think like therapy without like the tools of changing behavior eventually becomes just rather masturbatory. Yeah. I like how you said, like, actually, I never even realized that until you said it. Cause when you said I, it's like I statements. Cause it's about you are in control versus my therapist says, cause then there's this element like, well, my teacher, like Mrs. L said, I, we have to write our name, but it's like not about that. Yeah, right? I don't like, care what anyone says that what their therapist says about like my behavior. Yeah. Like if someone was like, well, I was talking to my therapist about you. It's like, it, it's like <laughs> talking. It's like Rude. you can be like, you're talking to my dog. I'm talking to my dog about you. And it's like my dog's going to support like, me. It's yeah. like, yeah, your therapist's job is to like support you uh, therapist is for you not for your friends so friend. it's like it should be like you should be looking in the mirror being like my therapist tells me like it shouldn't be yeah. like looking at your friends being like my therapist says you should stop doing this because it's like truly it is about i statements like mm. you should come out of therapy i mean not should but i i feel like because i like to talk about like what i learned in therapy a lot but I feel like the phrasing for me is more like, oh, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. Like I brought this up with my therapist and she suggested I maybe think this way because of this. Like, what do you think? That There's ways to talk about it with friends and family without making it seem like, well, I had this uh, like secretive talk and this is the answer. We decided you're toxic for me. Like, it's well, like, it's what? Like the only thing you have the capability of changing is your own your behavior, yeah. your, your, your side of the street, your thoughts. And mm -hmm. it's just like, that means like, sure, you can rail against someone and be like fucking mad, but it's just like at the end of the day, like, what are you gonna you do? Know, yeah. What are you gonna do is you should probably find the thing that you're, you know, you were talking about, like we were talking about UCB and what I was saying about like the flow of it. It's like, stop being pissed at this like thing mm -hmm. where like, it's like, yes, it's uh, it's a machine. It's a moment, it has momentum. You either are with the current and it's carrying you to somewhere you wanna go or it's carrying you to somewhere you don't wanna go. But it's like, you don't have to swim downstream it's harder to yeah. swim upstream but you can choose it and you can go do any of this i don't i love that metaphor I, what did you say before like that you're the one that's swimming <laughs> you gotta you gotta do your own thing yeah. you gotta either you gotta walk away or try to make come, better or like you know just like reassess like what you want to be doing like and just like yeah. or just like how you want to be doing it it's like that's like yeah stop expecting a place to serve you specifically mm. like go go serve yourself like Live your life towards what what you i like to think about it. go towards what what's good and positive and not yeah. focusing on anti-negative obviously like negative stuff will come up and like sometimes you got to put your guard up yeah but if you swim towards things you like you're less likely to focus on what you don't yeah it'll it'll all be okay you can just like kind like <laughs> it's also like there's no clock. There's no yeah. clock in life. I mean, there is a, there's one clock in life, but, but it's not like, really. You're right. Cause the day you die is today. Like that day will be today. Yeah. Not today. Sorry. <laughs> it's not, to, it's not today. Don't worry. Nobody's dying. Mm -hmm. Well, somebody is dying, but, mm -hmm. uh, not us, uh, hopefully, but you know what I mean? Like it always is now. And so it's like, no matter, like you said, how old you are, how much time goes by, like, yeah, it's still going to be now. Uh, have you picked up any like new, like, uh, uh, I don't know whether it's like a new interest or a new hobby in the last couple of years because everyone did it during the pandemic. Yeah. Like, 
definitely meditating um, mm -hmm. a lot more like kind of being spiritually in tune with my like mind body and spirit uh, I tried to code for a bit didn't wasn't that good at it oh what uh, like Python or yeah I was like doing and then I was um, just on was a code Academy doing it for a bit like taking the classes and I didn't really get that far I was like Coding doing stuff. SQL or whatever. I've like coded some stuff like but just by like following instructions and in yeah. like I will always fuck something up and it'll drive me insane but it's like I think there was a point in my life where I'd be like well I can't learn how to code like I can't learn how to play piano I'm 29 that's mm -hmm. something you have to start at when you're five because you're th I'm thinking that like well how do I get everyone patting me on my back and telling me what a right, good job you're I gonna do. be so good when you're 30 and you're like too late I'm you know, my, it's like my, you can still do it now my wife like learned how to play the banjo during the pian uh, uh, pandemic. I, pandemic my wife learned how to play the wow. banjo during the pandemic and she just mostly just plays for herself and it's lovely and it's cool I love and that. like I, I'm still like trying to find stuff like that where it's just like oh no she just does this for the joy that for it fun. brings her and like it's so hard to, for me to break out of that idea of like well you need to do these things because you want to be praised for them mm. uh, which is bad <laughs> Well, bad. I will praise you for having the intention to find something uh, like that. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll get your confession. Okay, yeah. All right. Welcome back. What a great break. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The time has come. Is there anything you'd like to tell me? Yeah. Um, you know, I have uh, listened to a number of episodes of this, and I'm always really uh, amazed with how vulnerable and, like, deep and real and serious people will get. And um, Sometimes. There's sometimes. also ones about, like, yes. boogers or sure, whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> and so, and you've asked me to do the show a couple of times, and I've always been like, I don't really think there's anything that I particularly, like, that's all that interesting. And then, like, when you asked me last, I was like, oh, yeah, I do have one thing that, like, I do a lot that I don't really talk to that many people about because it's very strange. Ooh, um, what is it? So, we love strange. So, um, my, I, I like pro wrestling, which is not okay. all that strange. If you're, like, L.A. comedy people. Yes, as we said, we did both at UCB. We're aware. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people who are into it. And, uh -huh. Um, but specifically, I have a lot of friends in my, that like we talk on Twitter about it and then we also talk about other stuff and we, we're in a group DM. And one of the things that like we do okay. is we um, share, we find, share, and collect um, fake nudes of male pro wrestlers. <laughs> okay. Um, Interesting. Because Specific. they're very funny. Uh -huh. um, these are fake new so it's like oh okay it's clearly it's photoshopped meant to be fake that's like part yes. of the joke um it's uh like the intentions of why they were created is <laughs> are like a little opaque okay i think okay. So, i uh -huh. feel like for some people it probably is a sexual like interest mm. and stuff like that um but it's like i don't know by it's, the time it gets to you it's like gone through it's, it's just like filters. it just was like oh this is a funny picture of like someone's head that's clearly been pasted on like a naked dude and it, it, it just like, what are you talking like the rock like yeah like, you can find like the rock you can pretty much find any wrestler if you just look up google like wrestler <laughs> fake nude image okay. shirts safe shirts off and it's <laughs> out there you can pretty much like wow. i mean it is that like if there's if you're they 
you know that what's that thing rule 43 it's like if, if you think about it there's porn of it yeah like okay. it is very much that, that makes um sense. and like i mean that doesn't surprise me that there would be uh like porn of wrestlers because they're kind of, it is kind of like you know a body based yeah well sport, it is yeah well it's interesting because like it's something where people are already like nearly naked so yeah. it's like you do They're get very to athletic like, too, you but, know? but so it's like very weird for me to be like, okay, so you need to go the one step further <laughs> to just be like, oh, I bet you this is what they look like naked. <laughs> Some um, people have bad imaginations. Yeah, a little bit. Um, or like, it's just like they need to kind of like finish the cycle and like <laughs> my friends and I will like finish kind of like cycle. find ones and share them and be like, oh, this one's really good or this one's really funny uh-huh. and like it's just like trying to like top each other in finding really good ones yeah like kind of a, it's like a cheeky sort of a little titillating to do but it's just funny and everyone can do it together yes, it a little is, taboo it is like a, it is very juvenile and it is very i mean <laughs> like i don't know it, well who started it and um, how did this begin so i mean i don't know there's a couple of my friends who got into it one is um and he posts a lot about it but my friend brian who uh uh, hosts the podcast uh, Street Fight and Shocktober okay. is like he like he and my other friends uh, Chris and Kevin like would find these yeah just post like I mean I'll show you like one of the first okay, ones yeah. I, I we, do have it on my phone yeah show it Are to you me cool? okay. we can, sh- can we sh- yeah we'll show it to the uh, um, like so this is like Naked Hulk Hogan okay but oh so he's not so he literally is can we show it to the here. I mean yeah the if camera, you want to post I this will. online you probably have to blur it out. Like it's, but like it's it just is. like what's funny about it if you're just listening well, to it. he's just wearing the clothes, but he just has oh, a hot yeah, cock. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's just like they took the top half of his body and he's like wearing yeah. his like Hulk Hogan uniform and he's posing, and then they put it on top of like this like the naked yeah. bottom of someone who has like a turgid erection. It looks almost cartoonish. It's interesting. I can see why. Yeah, it's entertaining because it's like I remember when we were like in middle school, we went to France on a school trip, and they had those like pens, you know, that when you flip it over, like mm. the clothes fall off, and we yes. thought it was so funny. And it's like obviously the teachers like whatever. But when now when I think about it, I'm like, why did like it's that kind of humor? It's like it's not real, but it is, but it's not, and it's just funny because it's naked mm-hmm. and it's almost yeah. that right in between where it's like not sexual but you're like somebody probably thinks it is yeah. but nobody no, i know I or whatever yeah people who get off on it and like but uh, yeah like here's another one of the wrestler kane oh um, <laughs> it's similar okay, where so they're like half clothed yeah they ha- the what's funny is that they want them to funny. be in their wrestling attire except for the bottoms so for people who obviously are listening and can't see they're kind of winnie the pooing it like that's yes. they're it's like a full costume and they're doing the wrestling yeah. poses yeah that's it's like it's like like it's like their their pants just drop down uh-huh. um and i i think maybe this is why it's funny is like you know um i don't think this is like heteronormative or anything like that uh-huh. uh, because i i do think like there's something more dignified to like people who have breasts and vaginas like when they're able to pose in certain ways Mm. but like with like people who have penises like it's just like oh they're aroused they're erect it's just like a very hard thing to like frame in like an actual yes it's (laughs) a hard i think it's a hard thing to frame in a way that like makes it look not silly like huh this is so interesting okay because now we're getting to deeper because i've thought about this sometimes like um, cause I've heard guys on stage, like make jokes about like, Oh, I want to feel sexy or whatever. Like girls do. But I do think it's interesting because as much as, you know, we've the talk, the conversation around like dick pics being not what they think mm-hmm. people think they are. Um, there's also this element of like, how else can you feel sexy 
outside of your like if you send a sensual picture posing well, but your dick's in it. It's a dick pic, right? Yeah. So it's like a that. How do you is, send well, an artful picture, yeah. right? What's tough about dick pics, and I think in general, is like when you're the person posing for it and stuff like that, it's like, oh, you're at your most aroused. But mm. like, I don't think like that's step one for anyone who's receiving that. Yeah, and like, interesting. Then t- and like taken out of the context of buildup, of foreplay, of like intrigue, it just like, it's just a very silly thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, you almost want that's so funny. I wonder if there's like degrees because it's like there like girls can be like, oh, I'm sending a text or nude. But it's like, oh, just the shoulder or whatever. Like imagine the guy's like, I'm getting a magazine. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, no, that, I mean, it's silly. Like like it's tougher for men to kind of like do yeah. the kind of like coquettish thing. Or penis like, having people. Yeah, yeah, penis having I, people. No, yeah. I that's so interesting because now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, Oh, it's like there's something really like sweet, funny, like about these like costume pictures because it's like someone just wants to see them at like they're already like you said already kind of sexualized if you wanted them to be because mm. they're half naked yeah. in costumes, but then they're like, no, let's make it clearly that they're a sex thing and like we'll just add a <laughs> penis to them. Yeah, it's hard and it's almost like more vulnerable to have a not hard penis. Yes. Oh, it absolutely. You know what I is. mean? Like, it's like that would be like whoa, intimate. Like the fact that the wrestlers are hard, I think that's why it makes me feel because there, there is something about obviously I want to say like ethically making fake news of anyone no. feels weird. But yes, I uh, mean it that, is that thing where like I think if it was. I mean, if it was a gendered thing, I, yeah, and yeah. it was like, I would probably feel incredibly uncomfortable with it. Right. Or if it wasn't like... But even know. that aside, it, there's this element like the because of the penis having person being the one who's like aroused. Yes. It feels different and, and almost silly because it's absurd. Like how what situation are... are are you accidentally like spying on? You know, it's just like there's a lot but of... Wrestlers are also through. inherently funny people. Yeah. Like, and it's like, oh... These are also, if you're listening to it, these are so poorly done. Yeah. Like, it is, there, there is no way to, like, you would be like, uh, I mean, well, let's, maybe we'll put, I'll eight. post, like, a blurred out version or something on the yes, Instagram. So absolutely. You can see what it looks um, like. Get the idea. Get the idea. Or just um, Google it. Here's, you all um, Google. This is my favorite one. It's a wrestler named Danhausen. And, um, so his penis what? is just, he's fully clothed. <laughs> okay, see, so that's the closest one to being, like, maybe I, like, understand why someone did, because it's like, maybe you get a photo like that. But that one is. Yes. Definitely creepy. It's creepy. Well, he's like a demonic man, so he has uh, his face in a certain way. But um, he's fully clothed. But like the tip of his penis is poking out of his shorts, shorts. and his legs are open. Yes, it's like it's like very. uh, It is very pornographic, actually, because that's probably like no, it's almost certainly taken from like porn. Uh huh. But it is interesting. Okay, so because this is really to me what um, there's a couple layers. Obviously, like talking about the idea of like. Uh, masculine sexuality, but also just like you and your friends kind of bonding and laughing about a thing that's alright because silly to like wrestling, but mm. you're like it's fine. And then on top of it, it's like less silly because you're making fun of wrestling. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's like sometimes yes. like I like Taylor Swift, and I also sometimes make fun of liking Taylor Swift, and I get it. Mm-hmm. But then I will just lean harder into liking Taylor Swift and looking at Easter eggs to the point where I'm like, I'm insane. You know, so it's like that yeah, back and I forth mean, between I think liking like that something sort of cultural silly. thing, whether it's like Taylor Swift or if it's wrestling, it's like, I'm sure there's definitely like probably some armchair psychology that you can be like, of, I'm like a five, six guy. I have cerebral palsy. So like my body is not a pro wrestler's body. And I'm, I'm interested in these big hulking 
like you know like i don't know i, I find bodybuilders funny mm. I, I i i don't know i just think it's like just like interesting what we can do with our but i think it's like and that's what they choose to do as a goal like mm. it's funny you really brought it in a very deep way because as you said that i was like well what's taylor swift then a tall blonde white country singer turned pop star and i'm like oh, i will never be with taylor swift it's all like the freedom to be like constantly talking about your fucking exes and your breakups <laughs> and like pe to be celebrated for it yeah. to like be talking about like something in the same way that like a 16 year old would yeah. and be like oh yeah no that's fine you're 33 that's 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 a normal way to talk about like people like it, and so i think it's similar to like you know bravo shows where it's uh -huh. like you know the people i know who love bravo like get a vicarious thrill to watch like people being super messy petty shitty yeah. to each other and i think similarly like yeah whatever. you externalize this there are universal elements of all the relationships on like tv whatever but you externalize away and heighten it to the point where it feels other so mm -hmm. you don't have to necessarily look at like when I look at the way she's talking about her ex, it's like, there's things we relate to, obviously, as everyone does. And then there's things where I'm like, well, I'm not doing that. So you can safely almost look at it. Kind of yeah. like, well, it's, it's you stuff that you can wouldn't want to say. This. I mean, we're yeah. on this po podcast, but it's stuff that you wouldn't want to say about like an ex, like publicly. You wouldn't want to admit like, oh, I still have these really intense, huge feelings for like someone, right? Like, you know what? This, I'm like, yeah, normal people wouldn't. But I feel like Taylor Swift was coming up when I was starting comedy, especially doing more improv and sketch. Mm -hmm. And me and Mel Owens, who was a guest, who you know, mm -hmm. um, we did a Taylor Swift blank space parody sketch, which is barely as like the idea was literally let's just say we're doing a blank space parody and invite a bunch of like our exes to audition for it and then yell at them. How'd that go? And we, um, it was great, it's super funny. Um, uh, but no, but they were like improvisers, and then some of them were actually friends. Like, mm -hmm. so it was a mix. It wasn't literally, but it, it. I will say that is twenty-year-old Teresa or twenty-two, whatever. In a way, I would never think now because now I like intentionally want to make stuff I like, but I don't need it to. I don't need the process of making art to like tra traumatize my life. Whereas like, it used to be like, oh, this is a way I'll deal with my feelings mm -hmm. through art, but also what happens on screen may actually change how I feel about it. Yeah. Okay, is, that's interesting. But it was. It's weird because now I'm like, I don't think I need that, but I do think there must be something in in my brain that needed it then. And I kind of understand why younger fans really want to jump in and like make it their life. Cause I think it's like also like, yeah, you're at an age where like something allows you to be a little messy too. Yeah. Like something that allows you to like, especially like if you're doing it under the guise of art or something like that, it's like, well, this is all <laughs> part of the process, isn't it? Like, and it's just like, oh, well, uh -huh. You know, you're working some stuff out, but also, and it's like, oh, it's funny because, like, you know, that uh, blank space idea, it's a funny idea, um, but it's like, it is like just like kind of putting everyone who's like sincerely your ex, like, in this weird, uh, <laughs> like, vulnerable position. Yeah. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's good or bad. I, I'm, I'm not sure. It's messy, is what, yeah. It's I mean, definitely figuring it out through the process how I feel. Because maybe in my mind, I was like, these aren't real feelings. So let me prove they're not real by making fun of them. And I then, think like, I mean, you have you seen uh, the rehearsal, the Nathan Fielder yes. thing? I think like the least interesting thing to me about it is whether like it's morally wrong or good to do that. Um, to, you know, I mean, in the show itself interrogates Because you can't that. really answer that question. I think it's more about what happened when there's a camera on. And it's like, yeah. yeah. 
And it's, I don't know, it's it just like, everyone has to find out their own lines of like what they're comfortable with in art and stuff like that. I'm not super interested in like making judgment calls on art that's, you yeah. know, morally good or not. I think that's a pretty boring and like cold way to like process art. Yeah. But but like it is just like, oh yeah, I would feel pretty uncomfortable. Like there are definitely times in my life where I'm like, wouldn't it be fun if I did this and this uh, to people? <laughs> um, and like I, I remember pitching to people like I wanted to do a uh, improv show where I tried to get my friends to like make me break down in tears on stage, which is like not this is a fun. funny idea. It's a but funny why idea conceptually, it, yeah. but it's also like it's like oh, it's like inviting someone like uh -huh. oh, play with me. Also, this continues after this show is over. Yeah. I'm sure if someone that's like it's like when I really sat with it, I was like, wait a second, I don't want to hear the meanest thing. I mean, it's like it's I want to like, be able what, to say. Would you want to watch it? I think that's where it comes down because it's like, what's the intention? So when, when you say that, I'm like, what was the intention there? It's probably more selfish. Like probably me and Mel were like had true like hurt feelings and we're like oh well, like this will be fun and it's also a way to actually say what we want to say but we mm -hmm. couldn't just we weren't mature enough me i won't speak for her wasn't mature enough to say like, what i want to say i don't think that's like it's like a bad thing you did it like i don't think like it's like i mean i think it's like something that like we were talking about like youth and stuff like that it's like yeah. there are things that are charming and cuter when you're like 20 or 22 doing than it is when you're like you know yeah. in your mid fucking 30s no it's psychotic as a 32 year old to do that but i do think and that's also why taylor swift gets funnier and funnier yes and she does kind of like tongue-in-cheek it and also now she's in a hopefully healthy relationship so oh. it, it, she's just mining from her past but it's interesting when you talk about the breakdown one, because I, I had a similar thing. I was like, oh, I want to teach myself to cry. But really, the intention came from I was really sad. And it was like when I was doing comedy and moved to L.A. and I didn't feel like I belonged. So I was like, oh, it'd be funny to do a 40 days of crying where every day I feel myself trying to cry because I'm teaching myself to cry and be a better actor. Mm -hmm. And I would do different things like listen to sad music, blah, blah, blah. And eventually I would cry and sometimes I wouldn't be like failed. But then I got to like day 20 or something halfway through and I was able to do it but then I was like I don't want to do this because I kind of realized like I'm doing this to externalize how sad I am but in a funny way and now I'm I think older and more experienced and understand you know intention and know that like probably what I needed to do was talk to somebody about yeah. it but you know when you don't feel like you have anywhere to turn and comedy is the outlet and people will look and laugh mm -hmm. that's like second best and so yeah so i don't know it's very interesting that to talk about that because i think we make those mistakes when we're early not mistakes we do those ideas when we're younger but mm -hmm. they help us actually learn the proper way excuse me the proper way to actually feel our feelings like now i can just feel them without yes. a camera on me yeah it's it's <laughs> a nice it's thing it's nice to like work out your feelings about other people or yeah. things like that without it being couched in parentheses I don't know. I feel, sometimes I feel like everyone's being very um, purposefully obtuse with like realizing how shitty and mean comedy was allowed to be uh, up until very recently. Yeah, because um, people will yeah they say it was a different time, but actually it probably offended people back then. I think the idea is like context shouldn't be universal. So like no. just because an artist intends a context, you can take things out and be like, hey, this is still fucked up. But I think as we get closer to truth as a society and like 
agreeing on one truth that is there's only one truth but agreeing on whatever that is and seeing things for how they are context is less necessary because then you can kind of you can kind of understand anything it's like a flower doesn't need to be on a stem for you to know it's a flower you Mm -hmm. know what I mean I don't know I'm very like into the nature analogies yeah I mean I think I think that context is incredibly important and I mean, maybe that is. I guess I mean more infer. You can infer fur. more context the the more act the more we as a society start to understand like mm-hmm. what should be said and what shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Like, yes. uh, it's like uh, things. Um, people, people when um, like, do you remember like? I mean, of those Psy who did Gangnam Style. Yeah, and it was and meant to be a joke. It, yeah, it, he's like, he's like, it was a song that was supposed to be uh-huh. silly. It's about like Gangnam is a part of, uh, it's a neighborhood that's supposed to be very posh and very rich. And like, he's like being like, oh, Gangnam Style, that's like being bougie and mm-hmm. like ridiculous. And like, then it gets through an American audience and it's just like, boy, Koreans are weird, um, <laughs> you know, which is like just completely like robbing that of context and now i'm thinking like uh-huh. oh someone can just clip me saying oh a- like koreans are weird uh-huh. and it would just be like yeah, but i mean similarly like what did the fox say that song everyone's like boy these like weird dutch guys and it's like they're being they're meant a, to be funny it's a fucking joke yeah. like it's like everyone's being like i we're w- willfully obtuse it feels like sometimes huh. that's interesting because i do sometimes think there is the old that's like the child child um like view of comedy that I had when I was little, which is just, it's funny because it's a little weird Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if they intend it to be funny or not. But most of the time, things for kids are intended to be funny. And when you say what the fuck say, I'm like, there's that element. Like I'm obviously, I didn't watch it thinking like these guys are like this all the time. But I think the fact that it wasn't made by like my friends and I don't know them and they're just two random dudes and maybe with a slight accent far away, but I know they're not making Mm -hmm. fun of the accent. Like to me, it feels... It, like it hits on that childhood unfamiliarity of comedy yeah. where it's like they're singing funny sounds and it's funny but because i don't know them there's this element of like what what is this what is this and you don't have to think too much about like oh do they know what they're saying which if you think about it, it's like obviously it's a joke but it's okay to like just be like it's kind of just sounds funny yeah um have you seen the movie tar yet no okay i saw it last night okay. i really loved it but one of the things that i feel like i mean that's not being talked about too much is that it's really funny like okay. in a very dry way in a way that doesn't really like invite a lot of laughs but it feels like a lot of it is like like the point of view is the funny. point of view okay. is like i mean i wouldn't say it's actively mocking but I, I think it's like giving characters in this world enough space to like point out like you know, mm. um, the ways that it is, uh, you know, up its own ass and insular and, you know, prone to like people behaving in incredibly like selfish ways for, and it also like a community that's like funded by like hedge funds. It's like, mm. like, just like, oh yeah, it's like, oh yeah, who is, um, you know, uh, orchestral music in conducting for it's like for like, you know, eight banks who like to like, put a bunch of money in the LA fill and like it's like but but because it doesn't like you know put like an arrow towards it where it's like this is a joke like I think it could very well be like very uncomfortable for people to are like invited in on like something where it's like I don't know I've seen people being like oh it celebrates this world or like stuff like that and like I don't really view anything as celebration Mm. here um but see this is what context 
is not present, but I would say if you are living in the same world and same reality as people, generally everyone in your circle shares similar views or beliefs in a way that's like, you know, open to criticism, you would find that funny. Mm -hmm. But somebody who thinks it's celebratory might just not be used to, like there's no context, so they need someone to tell them what to think of it. Mm -hmm. And they're not sure if they're laughing or they're enjoying it, if that will be seen as bad. And to me, that feels like someone who didn't hone their skills on just having their own opinion whether or not their friends agree. Because yeah. you're like, is this funny? Can I find it funny? And then they get mad and they're like, well, let me just lash out and say, like, this is problematic. And it's like. Yes. I mean, in, to not, without, I, mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know specifically. Without, somewhere, like, shoehorning in my, you know, thing yeah. that I was talking about, it's like, okay, taking out of context a nude picture of Hulk Hogan with a giant erection in his it's like. Funny. Is funny. For for us, yeah, it's funny, but it's yeah. like for some people, like it may be sexy, as weird as that mm. is. For some people, it may be a bummer for anyone to have their privacy like yeah, uh, revoked okay. to putting their like face on a nude body. Uh, for some people, like it may be, you know, borderline, you know, homophobic or something that like my friends uh. and I find it funny, like looking at these like pictures that like maybe someone is aroused by or maybe like, you know, huh. you know, so... I mean, you're right. Context matters in the, but you're talking backwards. Context matters when there is context and the context can affect how you feel about the product. But sometimes I feel like people talk about, it's like if someone just said something blatantly racist, the context matters, mm -hmm. but it doesn't because yeah. what they're saying, you know what I mean? Like what you're saying is kind of like context can make it. Like, it should exi be able to exist without context, yeah. and then with context, it could be interpreted Well, there's also just uh, multiple, if not infinite, contexts of anything. Yeah. Like... Wait, was it... Okay, now that you're saying that, I'm wondering, what, did Hulk Hogan have a thing where he sued because of... He... I mean, there's the famous Gawker so trial where he was filmed having sex oh, with man. the wife of Bubba the Love Sponge, who was gotcha. a shock jock. Uh, Bubba the Love Sponge filmed it. Someone sold it to Gawker... Gawker posted Gosh. it. Oh, that's why it um, shut down, Gawker. Well, yeah, Gawker posted it. There was, you know, debate about whether it's newsworthy because Hulk Hogan said racial slurs in it. Um, oh. And then Peter Thiel funded the lawsuit <sighs> of Hulk Hogan that shut down Gawker. Uh, so, I mean, it's a very okay. weird... I vaguely remember that. Yeah, oh, yeah, just, yeah, this is interesting. Weird domino effect. Uh, well, this, okay, here's, this is interesting, not to get too meta, but, like, Obviously, if we were not on a podcast, just being comedians in general, like it's like, yes, that's bad. Don't violate someone's privacy, sex tapes leaked, that's violation. But um, connecting the idea of a, almost a cartoon character, Hulk Hogan, right? It's like Mickey Mouse has a voice, but like the playing card version of Hulk Hogan well, uh, is not necessarily Hulk Hogan in real life. This is interesting because that came up in the trial. Like they would mm. play, they would play like parts of like him on Howard Stern where he's like talking about having a huge dick and he's like no the character of Hulk Hogan has a huge dick I the man Terry I'm normally endowed and like that's like a weird like fucking like thing to like parse yeah wow of, like you know huh. uh, I mean, or like you know I'm sure like if you met like a real housewife and like you know if they were on, they would be doing like a ridiculous thing. And then if yeah. you like met them when they're off, they're just like kind of like zoning out and like don't want to do messy drama. Yeah. Well, people are multifaceted, but mm -hmm. it is um, it is interesting because I'm still like I I think well just 
saying out loud my thoughts because I'm like, it's okay to not have an opinion on it. Because now I'm like, when we were talking about like, is it right or wrong, good or bad? I'm like, it's not really the point. I mm -hmm. think what is interesting is we're coming into a world where like these, like if we accept the same truths, right? Which is like, yeah, Hollywood's that messed up. Yeah, people do messed up things. Your intention is not that. And for, based on what you've explained, it doesn't sound like that at all. But it's mm -hmm. like, it's kind of led me down considering like overall, oh, why do we do these celebrity naked photos? that's a different convo. So I'm just like parsing out like, okay, sometimes we're told like you to be obtuse to be like, Oh, I don't, I can't have an opinion on this. So I'm just going to say all of this is bad or whatever, or that's, or I hate cancel culture or I hate having to think about mm. being PC. But in reality, every situation is different, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, what do you, do you, uh, just out of curiosity, yeah. do you like have like an artist that like is like, you know, deemed quote unquote problematic that you still like really love or like Oh yeah. Uh, I was recently have... found out or someone told me that Shel Silverstein's bad and I didn't know Really? That. But I'm not sure. Okay, I, I should not probably sure. look into it. Your understanding is that Shel Silverstein is bad. Or maybe but and then definitely like Roald Dahl, but then I'm like what is Roald Dahl? Oh, I think maybe like, like see, I didn't look too okay. deep. Maybe molesty kids. I don't know. But I mean, oh, also Lewis I love Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll. But I don't like Lewis Carroll and also to be honest, I don't like Roald Dahl, the man, I don't, it's hard to disconnect the world it he created. It's easier but when someone's been dead for like a hundred years. It's also easier when uh, you discover them when you were a child, because there is this element of like, well, that's not going to change. Yeah. Like I'm not constantly going to Roald Dahl concerts, but do I still, I'm not ashamed to like reference him. And so I, on that note, I can kind of understand why people still, you know, with like MJ and R R. Kelly or whatever, but I think the difference is like there's a conversation about like should we keep supporting them in their music now, which I is like music, no. Music is specifically, I think, really hard for people because it's such an abstract art that like unlike like for example the movies of Woody Allen, like it's like I understand why people are just like mm. I can't deal with it because a lot of the movies of Woody Allen is about like how he's well, horny. And he's for, like in it. Like yeah, he's in it. He's like horny for people, and I feel like maybe that's the case with like R. Kelly. You know, Michael Jackson's music is like not about like him but i think this is yeah subjective so mm -hmm. i think as a performer we do connect to musicians more i do think some people listen to music on the radio the way i used to read books as a kid like i know the author i'm like oh mm -hmm. i like this author but they're not going to concerts they're not looking at tmz they're not reading about the people at all and they just consume the music and yeah. if you're just consuming songs that are played pretty much on the radio or you know at weddings it feels very different from understanding the artist's lives. Like it, it wasn't until like I liked Ariana Grande, but it wasn't until I kind of jokingly did a podcast about her that I got even more into her. It, it turned out I really do like her. Mm -hmm. Even she had some problematic things too, but um, I always bring her up when people mention the cancel thing because she, instead of doubling down or really apologizing, like as a pop star, it's sometimes you just don't want to address it. She just changed her behavior and like, what, actually what specifically? Just, well, the people were saying she was appropriating and, it, okay, and it's like, yes. yeah, she probably was. And I don't know how intentional it was, but let's say it was fully intentional and she was ignorant and did something that she thought was cool. But then people were like, Hey, you're trying to be black. I mean, that's also, and this isn't good. But that's like, uh, that's what the music industry is based on is like yeah. appropriating things yeah. from black culture. And, but she, I think, to the best of her abilities, because besides just going, I quit and let me, let's only put black artists on stage, which is like cool, but like that's not in her power. What she did was kind of just 
change her behavior and mm-hmm. I, I did notice like because oh, I followed her very closely like all the stuff she started sharing she was like way more open about talking about her team like oh these are my songwriters and like just hyping up and amplifying black voices mm-hmm. but not like in a very like look at me way it's like I right. felt like she really did just try to change her behavior going like oh fuck like maybe I don't want this to be who I am and that's not overnight. So I think that's what's different about like apologies because people apologize and go, starting today, I will be good. It's like that, mm-hmm. you have to like slowly change. And well, that's tough. I also, I, I do, I'm not impressed with either side of a public apology. No, it it's is just, all like, just it's the PR. Worst place, just it's the worst place yeah. to actually have to do an apology. It's like apology yeah. should be made to someone in private. I, I mean, I mm-hmm. I'm sure there are some occasions where that's true, but it's like, it's just like, at, like once it's a public apology it is inherently it's not a performance. real it's an important uh, performance agree. i agree because the idea of like when you truly feel sorry and you want forgiveness the only person you need to apologize to is the person who can forgive you they're not required to and mm-hmm. also part of the sometimes when i think like oh if someone did me wrong and they apologize part of me forgiving them sometimes is just them knowing they're wrong and living with the consequences yeah. of knowing they're wrong and changing their behavior but yeah, if they get to apologize and get all their fans back i'm not saying like part of not having fans is the punishment i'm just saying like if that's how they're thinking if they're well, thinking i'm apologizing because people don't like me that's the wrong way to think i also <laughs> think with apologies that like people love to like receive an apology publicly and then be like this is how you apologized wrong and i think that fundamentally is because people want to act like they're more that they're less punitive than they actually are. I think people mm. want to believe that, like, oh, I will forgive easier. I will accept people. I will, like, I will allow an amends. But I think that's really tough, actually. And yeah. so, like, you know, when people are, like, first of all, like, I don't know, it's this very pedantic Twitter thing about apologizing where it's just like, well, you're now changing what we're doing here. And it's just like, it's okay if you don't want to, like, accept people back. That is fine. Yeah. But I do think, like, there's just a certain amount of performance around wanting, like, you know, being like, okay, I'm someone who's, like, anti-punitive behavior. I'm anti-jails. I'm anti, like, Mm. carceral state. And then, like, being like, well, that's a really, really hard like walk to actually walk because like you know people hurt people and like you then want like there to be some sort of ramifications it's like really hard especially like if you're an individual who's been hurt by like i i was robbed in uh college not robbed at like gunpoint or anything like that but like my my apartment was burglarized and stolen and like it was a really violating like experience Mm. and it makes you feel unsafe and you know, I, they got like a number of laptops and it was like done. It was like a number of things were robbed over like mm. two week period. And like the cops caught the guy and like a lot, so a lot of our stuff was recoverable and a lot of it wasn't. And like I, this is now like 11 years ago, but over a period of like two years, like I got the money back that I lost. But at this end, like, um, I would like keep tabs on this person mm-hmm. and I, I mean not that I ever interacted with them in real life they probably never knew who I was like I only knew them because like it was like they, they were like an athlete at mm. my college and so it was a little bit of a big deal and they were someone who could wow. track and like their life really got off the rails at that point point. Um, 
and like they kind of mm. got in worse and worse situations and found themselves like making worse and worse like judgments and mm. like I, I do like 10 years later you know I look at myself and like wanting justice or revenge and I see where this person has wound up and like I'm just like well what about that like yeah. wh what that could have been changed if like culturally we weren't so punitive that's and like that's like wow. really sad be like well like like my space my property was violated was stolen my sense of well-being and like at the same time like how do you wrestle with like and this is a rather but not i think like you know me being burglarized is not a big deal no but it, it can make you feel very violated i mean it, what you're talking about is what is out of our control kind of what we brings back to when you're talking about cognitive behavior therapy is like we all want things to change but you can't prove it in a day so mm -hmm. the only thing the law can control is like what can they do which is like make him give it back or punish him but that doesn't really change the behavior so really mm -hmm. in order to find peace it's like I think we all have to have a space to feel our anger all of the things shame whatever and then once you do have it heard right like oh that was shitty and people are like yeah we agree that was shitty then you kind of realize like okay, like what really happened here? Can I get the money back? Yeah. Is this person doing it to hurt me? Mm -hmm. No, but does it make it right? No, but it becomes less about like, I need to get that person back because they wanted the money, right? They weren't like, maybe there are cases of sociopaths who are like, I'm going to do this because I hate you. But for the most part, these kinds of crimes happen because yeah. they just crimes are of desperation. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make it okay, but I do think it comes back to like, well, if you punish them, is that going to change the next crime? Probably no, because not. Because you're desperate. You're, you know, after you've been through the criminal system, your options mm -hmm. in American society, at the very least, are even more limited. And well, if you're like, hungry and there's bread and you're afraid that you're going to go to jail, but you might starve. Like, that's the kind of thing. I mean, it's very, like, a bad example, but I, I think, fortunately, you got your stuff back yeah. and karma took care of it, but... Well, yeah, but it's, like, I don't know. It's, like, you know, 10 years later, it's, like, I, like, lost, like, $700 worth of stuff and then, like, got it back and, like, someone's life just kind of slid in a worse and worse position and, like, that's, like... Well, that like, wasn't because of you. That was no, his choice. No, it wasn't, yeah. but it, it still is, like, being being witness to it like being like just like yeah. you know intersecting with it for a brief moment and also like you know hmm. i mean i don't recall the time i mean I, like i never testified in a court case or anything like that and like i don't think i was given the option no no one cared about my opinion of what happened to this guy but if you would have told me at the time i would have been like yeah throw the book at him you know and hmm. like just like holding that like hmm. thought with like okay so and like there are people today where i'm like yeah fuck them uh like yeah interesting they don't deserve x y and z and it's just like it is really tough to like actually like be like how do we help people who are hurting uh yeah it's tough there's i i think about that a lot because i i'm also i'm anti-capital punishment also just because as a kid who was sometimes hit um it didn't ever change my behavior because i never wanted to get hit right like, it was like yeah. i would do something wrong not knowing it was wrong or maybe knowing it was wrong but not understanding how to make better choices and then the punishment becomes the focus and not and then you lose a really good opportunity to learn the lesson which now i've taught myself of like when a consequence happens how i can redirect mm -hmm. my choices next time yeah. but as a kid it just makes you feel so powerless 
you it's, know, to like, I mean, I think we're probably like the last generation where it was like, <laughs> like okay, I don't think like that. I don't think that it's, we're the last generation who had been hit or like oh, yeah, stuff yeah. like that or spanked or but stuff. But we kind of understand but that it doesn't really work. Yeah. That it, we're the first generation where it's just like, oh, that's probably something that's wrapping up culturally. Like, I don't, I don't, uh, begrudge my parents for no, like yeah, spanking me, me or like smacking me when I was like misbehaving like I think I would try my hardest as an like as a parent not to do that yeah but that's also because we have all these other things also but also it's like I don't know like when I've babysat a kid or like you know watched yeah. kids and like just like they can be so irrational I see why it's just like well like their brains aren't as developed. I need to get this message in through them. But that's them. the problem. I, yeah. th I I agree with you. I don't hold any grudges uh, consciously. No, I'm just kidding. But um, mm. it, what, it, what I think about it is that it just didn't work. When I really think about like what I had to take time to undo what I thought was like, oh, that's not fair. I resent my parents for doing this. And then I had to do the therapy. Be like, I forgive my parents. I forgive myself. And then to go, okay, but now what do I do? to actually make better choices. It's mm -hmm. all on me. And I wish, like, I think science is going to catch up, but I think it's just we're realizing, like, oh, it just doesn't work the way we think. It might make a kid be quiet now, but, like, really, if you want to get a kid to, like, whose brain is developing to mm -hmm. develop the way where they feel empowered and they're in charge of their emotions, like, the only way to do it is, like, the slow way. like. Yeah in real time and it that's just the hard way well i'm so glad that you are okay and um <laughs> it's very interesting thank you for sharing that story um oh yeah no problem i have a game to end okay mm -hmm. it is based on because you i don't know if you still do this podcast of self-care uh we haven't done it in a little bit uh raft and i always kind of chat about it uh and we're still close friends and collaborators and maybe it'll come back in some form, but it's right now, it's in hibernation. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I, I was lucky enough to be in a guest on your Yeah, the podcast. archive's still up. You can, you oh, can listen nice. to yeah, it. Oh, nice. Yeah, go check it out. Um, but it's a podcast about self-care. So mm -hmm. I thought, and actually this is kind of relevant to all the stuff we're talking about mm -hmm. today, like of um, being overly obtuse, but this is just a simple game called what is this wellness product? So I will give you the name of a product that is sold in a real place, and uh, you have to just guess what it is. Um, okay, this one is called Flatter Me. I can tell you where, do okay, you wanna know no, where no, it's sold? Okay. So, th so these are wellness products. Tell me what products. it is and where it's sold. Is I'll that tell right? you the name. Yeah, I can tell you where it's sold, and then. I have to, okay, wait, Well, so, wait. It's about me knowing what the product is. Okay. You have to guess. I mean, I'm hoping you don't know any of these products. So these are like, you know, the okay. world of wellness, it's specifically kind of that, uh, I don't want to say it's hokey, but it's that very like goopy. Yeah, yeah. Poosh, think goop, whatever. Well, like anthropology. So these are just the names of products, and mm -hmm. um, and okay. based on the name, just Flatter whatever you me think it is. Feels like it's like one of those uh, smoothing uh, stones that you can press up against mm -hmm. your face. Like I mean, it's not like the roller of the rose quartz. Mm -hmm. It could be, but I suspect it's one of those like things that people say is good for your sinuses and Ooh. circulation. If I had to guess, that's a great guess. I did see a lot of those when I, um, but this is actually a vitamin mix to encourage flatter tummies. Oh. It's a blend. I know. I so much more. It's a bad. blend of 18 full spectrum digestive enzymes help break down food for better digestions and Fuck. reduce bloating from hum. I don't know. This I was just like, yeah, I wouldn't have known either, but I do <laughs> like how it really. No, I've like, heard of oh, stuff like that, but it is duh. just like, ugh. I know. Okay. Here's the next one. Smile makers. This is on Goop. 
if I had to guess, Smile Makers is probably like an LED uh, tooth brightening, like lightning type thing where like now you put it in your mouth and like the LEDs, it's supposed to like wind your teeth even quicker. Mm. Good guess. Incorrect. Um, you could put it in your mouth if you wanted to, but it is a romantic vibrator. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, and that's called uh, Smile Maker. Smile Maker. Makers. Yeah. It's Interesting. It is very like a, it's a very like mutant name because I'm like, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm smiling. Well, masturbating is not it how sounds, I consider it things. It sounds more right? like, like, a, like a dental group. Yeah. It's a bit silly. Maybe it's just so to be like in, uh, inconspicuous on the order. Mm-hmm. Okay. The rose colored glasses. I'll give you a hint. They're not glasses. Rose colored glasses. It's the I same mean, of the product. I yeah. would think that is it just like wine glasses? Like for rosé? That would be a great name for rosé glasses, but these are not glasses and in any shape or form. Ro- <laughs> uh, I don't know. What is it? Okay, so this is sold by Wooden Spoon Herbs. It's a formula formula of mixed herbs that traditionally help promote a healthy mood, like rose petal, adaptogenic holy basil, oat tops, and hawthorn fruit. And then below it, there's an asterisk that says um, none of these are proven by health yeah, professionals of to it's all, work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, rose petals are they actually good I mean, for health? I think, you know, I've had like rose flavored lattes. They're good. I do like rose flavored lattes. I like rose flavor. It's just funny uh-huh. to be like so on the nose. Rose colored glasses. Um, he eats some roses. <laughs> then you'll feel better. Um, okay, two more. Lake and Sky 1111. This one's kind of like obscure name, but I thought it might be an interesting Lake one. and Sky 1111. Um, and it's like spelled 11 dot colon 11 like the well 11 11 that's like a good luck thing where when you like see like in numerology 11 11 is like one of the most impressive thing lake and sky hmm. i think I you just have to throw out a guess because it's not really i would say i'm not gonna get this one is what you're talking no i would say it's the name the, ti- the name might not help you like so just think what what's a wellness wellness product um i don't know is it uh is it uh a uh yanni egg oh that's a good guess no it's more boring it's travel spray Mm. which you know you really need a box of travel spray to spray on yourself when you're traveling is it like a mister or is it like yeah, for like uh like, like a little germs? mister okay oh that would be better it's a mister to spray to freshen yourself up when you're traveling okay which is, I think, not that you don't need it, but just the specificity of the branding. You can is get, like, you can just fill a, a water bottle with like yeah. water and spray it on you. You can just put, did you know you could just turn on the sink and put your hands under it? That's, and go, you can do that. You can do yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you can buy a very expensive travel spray. Okay. Here's uh, do you a know how much of that is? Uh, I don't have it here because I wrote them down here, but I, I don't know. It was <laughs> sold at Anthropology. Okay. So I'll have to add that in. Uh, okay, final one. Okay, there, these are three names of different products, but it's all the same type of thing. So I'm going to see if you can guess it. Okay. Lord of Misrule, Shoot for the Stars, Human, Human Fruit. So there are three separate, like, sort of variations of the same type of product. Okay. Lord of Stars. Lord of Misrule. Misrule. Shoot for the Stars, and Human, Human Fruit. Is it Crystals a good guess they are bath bombs oh sold by lush yeah Damn it. good you did a great job i got and close i got really really close and i got none of them no but got- you you got you got the essence of 
wellness. I feel yeah. like all your guests has captured the same mm. vibe. Um, well, where can people follow you, find you, support? Uh, yeah, check out I your mean, stuff. I'm at Drew Spurs on Twitter, uh, and you can check out uh, DSP Studio LA across social for if you have any production needs or anything like that. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'll see you around the open road, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, is, is Twitter gonna be? A, I mean, it seems like I don't know. I don't know. Is Twitter gonna be around? Follow DSP Productions. So. Yeah. I suspect it will be. I think it will be. I've been on it since like 2009, and we've yeah, seen I mean, so many creature of habit. Yeah. Like that's the biggest like perpetual motion you can have in I life. I remember what Fave Star. Who remembers mm-hmm. that? Fave Star. <laughs> oh, you got to get the Fave Star joke of the day. <laughs> oh my God! All right, thank you so much, Drew. Uh, this is you can tell me anything. You can follow this podcast. We have a new instagram handle at real father long legs um and that's it goodbye thank you thank you for listening to you can tell me anything you can follow this podcast on instagram at real father long legs this podcast was written and produced by Teresa lee on the hoo-ha-ha ha podcast network if you would like to donate or support the production you can do so at paypal.me slash you can tell me anything the hoo-ha-ha ha team is ashley mcatee audrey pravar maggie with austin Kadi Assad, and stephanie bignote theme song was written and performed by cody johnston outro music by shipwreck sailor thank you so much